you know, over the last couple of weeks, uh, you know, we've, we've suffered some losses here in, in our family. We had a, a young man just 31 years old that breathed his last, and just this week, Miss Jan Diggin breathed her last. And, and as we were singing those songs this morning and, and thinking about even this week, we've talked about a queen that died and, and a prince that has become a king. And, and we were talking this morning about uh, a musician that I happen to be a fan of that died a few years back. And, and even in the moment I was thinking about that, I thought about the fact of how much I enjoyed his music, but at the moment of his death, I knew he, didn't, he wasn't transfixed on Jesus' face. So this morning as we're worshiping, and David mentioned it, you know, whatever is holding us back in worship, do we realize that one day all of us are gonna be before Jesus? And what have we done with our life for him? Is it gonna be torture and gnashing of teeth forever and ever and ever, or is it gonna be glory and glory and glory with Jesus? That's a decision each one of us has got to make today. That song of what Jesus did when he went into the grave for us. What are you doing with Jesus Christ? As our pastor comes today and talks to us about life and, and some of my favorite verses in, the, in all of the Bible that he's gonna preach about today. What are you doing with Jesus? What have you done? What are you doing? In the next hour, we'll see two precious girls get baptized that, that made that decision. Today, don't leave here without making a decision for Jesus Christ. Don't leave here without making a decision for life. Let's pray. Father, I just come to you right now, Lord, in the, in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. And I pray as that song we sang, rain down on us, Lord. Rain your spirit down on us. Rain down, Father. Because we need you. In a world that that focuses on everything. We're transfixed on everything but you. We're transfixed on a, a human that died in England. Our friends that die, our families that die. But Father, what we know is that you died, but you rose again. And Father, we praise you for that. We thank you for that. We thank you for the wounds that you took for us. And Father, as we think about your mercy and your goodness today, I pray, Father God, that we would turn away from whatever it is that stops us from worshiping, whether it's sin in our life, whether it's just stress and the world around us. Father, let us put those things off. Just let the Holy Spirit fill us and let us truly worship you with everything that we have. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. you would turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. As you're making your way there, I have an announcement myself. That is uh, that tonight we will begin a, a new series through selected psalms. And tonight especially, uh, I want you to know that David Leonard is actually going to be preaching from uh, the psalms tonight. And so uh, if you, if you like how he leads singing, be back tonight to uh, enjoy his preaching. If you don't like how he leads singing, come back tonight and hope that it's better. Um, 
No, uh, I am confident. I, I've heard him share God's word before and am so thankful that we have someone, honestly, that we have someone leading us in praises that is confident enough to hold God's word and proclaim it to us, not just behind a guitar, but with the sufficiency of the word of God. So make sure that you are here tonight at five o'clock for our time together. Uh, as I have challenged you each week, I want to challenge you once again, uh, as we are studying through this letter to the church at Ephesus and to the surrounding churches, and now uh, really a letter to us in some ways, I've, I've challenged you to read it in one sitting each week, and I want you to do it again this week. Uh, and this time, I underline favorite verses, just just underline a favorite verse, maybe circle certain words. Just like, I'm not asking for the, the deep dive. Uh, hopefully we're doing some of that and there's certainly more that can be done of that, but just soaking in all that Ephesians has to offer. So if you haven't done any of the challenges yet, then just read through it in one sitting. It will take you uh, several minutes, but it shouldn't take you all day. Uh, it, it can just take some time. And by the way, if it does take you all day, what a good thing to spend your time on just all day in the Word of God. So uh, I want to encourage you with that. Imagine with me two scenarios, okay? The first scenario is that you go to the doctor tomorrow morning for your annual checkup. And it's just a regular, you know, whatever they call it in like health insurance, healthy you visit, right? It's just your, your regular visit and you get a good report. Doctor says like thumbs up, well done. Uh, keep, keep on track, doing what you're doing, whatever it is, it's working. So let's stay the course. That's scenario one. Scenario two is that tomorrow you go to the doctor for your regular annual checkup and you get told that things are not looking good, right? Your, your blood work seems off. Your vital signs are off, blood pressure, temperature, even that thing where they like look in your mouth and in your ears and it's like, whoa, this is a problem. The doctor orders some more tests. You get an MRI or a CT scan. You get even an X-ray of some kind. You're not even sure what all you're getting, what all tests you're getting, but you don't know what the doctor's going to tell you. The, the results make the doctor believe that you have a disease of some kind. It's likely to cause your death and that death is likely to be soon. You are told to come back the very next day, so on Tuesday, for a, a fuller prognosis and a plan of action. You return the next day to a doctor with a bright smile on his face. Not necessarily what you anticipated walking in, right? You've been kind of grieving. Maybe, maybe on Monday night, you, you called your family, you called your friends, you called the church and said, please, please pray for me. I don't even, I don't even know what tomorrow's gonna hold. I just, I just know uh, I need prayer. But now the doctor has a big smile on his face on Tuesday morning and with great delight, he tells you that after further investigation, you're in all clear. Everything is good, no disease, no need for a plan of action, no sickness. It is a miracle that you no longer have whatever you just had 24 hours before. 
Now, which one of those scenarios do you write home about? Which one of those like causes you to post on Facebook? Which one of those makes you say like, I gotta tell everybody. Yesterday, I was like sick, dying, didn't even realize it, didn't know it. I, I had like whatever that disease was, I had that thing. And, and today, I'm good. I'm, I'm clear, I'm, I'm cancer-free, I'm disease-free, I'm, I'm whatever, I'm no longer dying, I am living. Which, right, right, you're definitely gonna say that one other than the one, because I would guess that many of us have gone to the doctor for our annual visit, had a good visit, and called zero people. Right, you probably didn't call me, hey, pastor, just wanted you to praise report, had a good doctor, now you are welcome to do that, but like, that's probably not what's happening. But the second one, you're calling people, right? You see, uh, it doesn't make sense that uh, how, how good salvation is to us unless we realize what we had, what we were just the day before. And for some of you in the room, maybe even what you are right now. So let's hear from Ephesians 2 some of these maybe uh, more life-altering scenarios. Chapter 2, verse 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he, lo he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, by grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This, this passage, uh, for those of us right in the church, for those readers originally, the, the believers are really, really thankful to see that past tense word, right? And you were dead in your trespasses. That automatically tells us that we're not anymore. <laughs> or at least that's the hope. But let's think about this maybe in a few different stages the first is that there was a grave in the past. There was a grave in the past, and this is who you are before Christ. This is who you are before Christ. 
you're thinking about your own personal testimony, how, how it is that you came to know Christ, how it is that your story of redemption, you need to know and be reminded that there was a time before Christ. So it doesn't matter to me whether or not you came to Christ at six, seven, or eight, or 60, 70, or 80. Before Christ, you were dead. That, that was your reality. Francis Schaeffer was once asked if he only had one hour with a non-believer, what would he say to them? He said, I would use 50 minutes to show them their sin and 10 minutes to show them the answer. See, oftentimes when we get into, uh, like, when we get excited about sharing the gospel, which I hope in fact, I hope even today will stir us, compel us all the more to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. But when we do that, sometimes we rush so quickly to the fact that Jesus is the answer and we have forgotten to tell everybody that there's a question. We've forgotten to tell everybody that there is a sin problem. And the truth of the matter is there's a lot of pulpits today that are filled with that same kind of problem. I'm not like... Uh, I'm not trying to make some condemnation against all pulpits. I'm just saying there's, just a lot, there's not many preachers who, uh, who will speak this truth. I don't think that they mean to, at least some of them. I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. But, but in some ways, we, we get so excited about the answer, so excited about Jesus, and people looking back at us saying, so what? Why did he die? <laughs> I mean, it couldn't have been, like, how bad was it really? Like, so I, I do some things that offend some people? Like, sorry. No. If you don't think you are in need, then you won't call out for a Savior. So let me, let me say this. In fact, I believe that this is one of the most prevailing issues with American Christianity today, and arguably even more so uh, in the Madison, Ridgeland, kind of wealthy community that we live in. We can try to pretend like we're not wealthy, but globally, we are very wealthy, okay? And we believe that we've got it under control. Like, that's, that's our problem. We think we got it. We can, we, can just, we can fix it. We can solve it. We're educated people. Many of us like two and three degrees educated. We're like, we're smart. We figured out a lot of other things. Maybe we can figure this out. We don't really believe we're in quite the desperation that we are. So let's see then how people before Christ are described. We were dead in sin. Ephesians 2, 1, right? You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. I don't know if you know what dead means. It means not alive. It's not like this is some tricky phrase that, that Paul's trying to trick the people of Ephesus with or, or uh, draw them to some other conclusions. Dead means dead. I believe that this truth establishes the most significant realities regarding salvation. If I even think about this, we'll, we'll get to this in a minute, but if you're dead, you can't boast in your salvation because it is Christ who made you alive, right? So this is, this is like, like one plus one equals two, right? That makes sense. 
Of course we can, but you, you get down to that part, not a result of works. Why well, didn't have the works to do? Because dead people can't save themselves. It's not, it's not humanly or supernaturally possible. We're just dead. If you think you can save yourself, then you don't understand what dead means. This, by the way, while that is the most drastic of descriptions given to us, some of these other ones are pretty uh, intense for us. We were following the world, right? So verse two. So verse one, you were dead in the trespasses in which you once walked, following the course of this world. If we think about it, like this is what we all lean toward, right? Like our, our sinful nature in ourself, apart from the Holy Spirit in us, makes us want whatever the world has to offer. I mean, like in, in so many ways, that's what sin is. That's us choosing what the world has to offer, Right? Even in ways that aren't necessarily evil, some of them are, but, but we want whatever the world has, even in like tangible things. Like we want the newest gadget, the newest thing for hunting camp or the newest, uh, or the driving range. What, we want the nicest purse or we want our nails to be done. We want the nicest clothes. We want the new phone. We want the new watch. We want the new Nerf gun. We want the new video game. We want all of the, the stuff, like even the physical trappings that the world has to offer. But it's not just like these kind of practical desires wanting like a, a better refrigerator or a nicer car. We, we also, like, we, want, we want all of the, uh, the accolades that the world has to offer. We want all the recognition. We want all of the resources to come back into our hands. We want to have control. We want to follow whatever the world says is the normal. In fact, that's, that's in many ways the way the world does it, right? Normalizing sin, making like, uh, and, and so that happens in everything from our TV shows that we choose to watch to the movies, to the songs we listen to, to words that are chosen, to the way that they're spoken, all of these things. It's, it's a normalization of things that we would certainly look to scripture and say, this is sin. But before Christ, we didn't just um, kind of have that sinful nature in us that is by God's grace covered with the Holy Spirit to keep us from going that way. But before Christ, we just went that way. And again, I realize that, that if you're like me and you were saved at a really young age, I, I came to Christ at six years old and I'm confident that I turned from my sin and trusted in Jesus, even at that age. And, and here's the thing. Many of us look at that and say, well, I mean, were you really going towards the world? Were you, were you doing all of those things? According to this, yes. I, was, I had a greater desire for stuff and praise toward myself and, uh, again, accolades, even if those accolades just came from my parents. I wanted them. I was walking in the ways of the world because I wasn't walking in the ways of Christ. So we were, we were following the world and we were following the devil, right? Following the courses of this world, verse two, following the prince of the power of the air. You know, some of us don't like to acknowledge this. I, I think some of us 
prefer to ignore uh, like spiritual warfare as it is, and Paul will speak to that all the clearer in a few chapters. We might, we might acknowledge that we follow the world. Yeah, that makes sense that we want those things and we want the, the stuff that the world has to offer, but we do not want to follow the devil. I mean, Chad, like, come on. Just because I, I watch a certain show, or just because I do a certain thing or say a certain word, like, that doesn't mean I'm really like, on the devil's team, does it? You see, it's, it's the, the devil who tempts you. And he does so by saying, as he said in the garden, did God really say? Man, that's an age-old temptation, isn't it? Did God really say, this is how it comes out for us, did God really say you can't watch that TV show? You, did God really say you can't go to that movie? Did God really say you can't drink one more? Did God really say you can't flirt with your coworker? Did God really say you can't say that word? You're just to kind of make your friends laugh? Like, did, did, you, did God really say that specific thing was that much of a problem? what he does, right? That's what temptation does. Did God really say? So when we, when we uh, fall into those ways, to those very same questions, we can know we are following the ways of the devil. It is that drastic. It is that extreme. We were following the devil. Well, well, first of all, we were dead. We were following the world. We were following the devil. And it doesn't get better here. We were children of wrath, verse 3. We were by nature children of wrath. Nature means being born into sin. Psalm 51, right? Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. I was, I was, like, I, I came to the world as a sinner, before I even, like we are sinners by choice. I think we can all agree that even if you can't, you are, you, I am. We are all sinners by the choices we make. But we were just born that way also. Our nature is sinful. You know that, that phrase, I love this. I found this in uh, a study Bible. It's, you know the phrase, God helps those who help themselves. That's not from the Bible. It's from the ancient Greeks. God helps those who can't help themselves. If you were wondering, that's all of us. Like, we were in opposition to Christ before him. Because to, to not be his friend is to be his enemy. But how thankful, church, how thankful are we that that grave is in our past? Yes, there is a grave in our past, but it is in the past. I want you to listen carefully. If, if you are not yet a follower of Christ, your grave is still your present, but I want you to listen to what is offered to you today. 
hear this word. There is grace for the present. The grave in our past, and there is grace for the present. This is who you are because of Christ. Yeah, those, those first few verses, verses one, two, and three, they, they just weigh heavy. And it's just, oh, this, this sin that weighs so heavy on us that entangles us. And oh, it is so good that verse four starts, but God, right? But God. All, the, all these terrible things, all this description of us that, that is quite unpleasant, but God. That means something else is about to be offered, but God. You see, but God, we are given his love. He loves us in his mercy, holding back what we truly deserve, right? That's already been described. What do we truly deserve? His wrath, his never-ending judgment, his punishment poured out for us for all eternity. That's what we deserve. We deserve it now, like to start immediately, and we deserve it forever, as in not stopping. And yet, in his mercy, he gives love. You see, we cannot love without his love first, right? We love because Christ loved us. We can't even really understand right love apart from his love. I mean, like even, even the way that, ah, there's, there's those kinds of phrases that they just get thrown out here in culture and in society about what love is. And love is designed by and therefore defined by God himself. So, so our our understanding and our knowledge of what true love is, is based on the very person of God, who, who he is, and we are given his love. This is grace for the present. We are provided new life, right? It's, it's good to know that while we were dead in our trespasses, verse five, when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. Catch this. Uh, I think about these, um, these kind of passages that Paul would write. He wrote this also in, in Romans. Like, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. While we were dead, he made us alive. He's making it abundantly clear. This isn't something in which he saw the goodness on the other side and thought, oh, you know what? Like, they'll be good one day, so let me, let me rescue them. They're save-worthy one day, so let me save them then. No, church, we bring nothing good to the table. I can't remember who the author was, but one once said, like, the only thing we bring to the table in regards to salvation is the sin that requires us to need salvation. That's what we bring. Like, and, and so this is him. He, he takes us from death to life. He provides us newness. Real, like dark to light kind of new. In fact, 
we are described then as created for good. Verse 10, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Oh, this is, this is the grace for the present. We, we are a new creation made by God and renewed by him for his glory. We are, we are renewed, creating Christ Jesus for good works. That we should walk in those good works. I often wonder what those good works are. Paul helps us with that. In fact, with a lot of the rest of Ephesians, we'll get to those. But those works are not causality for salvation. No, they are evidence of salvation. What I mean by that is, it is not that our good works earns us the ability for him to save us out of death. Remember, we were dead, so we can't do good works in our death. We only do nothing because we're dead, <laughs> right? But, but in our new life, our response to that new life is good works. I, I think about like baptism. Baptism, we're about to see those, the testimony that we heard, baptism, we're about to see, right? That's, that's a picture. That is not, like those girls are saved now. It's, it's not 11 o'clock yet and they're, they're already rescued, redeemed, right? But, but they are demonstrating what Christ has done for them. So that's even a good work. They're obeying the Bible. They're obeying God's word and saying, okay, yes, I'm gonna stand before the people of God and, and proclaim that Jesus is Lord. So I'll be baptized. I wanna follow through in that obedience. That's a good work. But that good work happens because of Christ in them. One of those good works that must be happening in and through us is the proclamation of the gospel. Church, we, we don't have, uh, like, we can't miss this one. Go back with me for just a moment to that opening analogy, right? If you, if you knew that you were on the like, brink of death and then were no longer, you would tell people that. Good news gets shared. hear this, you weren't on the brink of death, you were dead. You weren't like on the edge, maybe we need a plan, maybe there's some kind of uh, therapy, maybe there's some sort of medication that's gonna help you. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. I was dead. And so now we weren't just like almost there and now we've got good news. We've got, I was dead and now I'm alive. That's a different kind of good news, right? Like that's the kind of stuff that you do. You post on social media, you pick up the phone, you, go, you knock on the random person's door next to you and you say, I was dead, now I'm alive. You should hear about it. And then you're not, you're not held back by persecution that comes your way. Like who cares? I, you gotta hear this, I was dead, now I'm alive. <laughs> right, I was, I was condemned child of wrath forever. Now I'm a child of the king. 
Like this, this isn't a, a small, slight shift in who we are. We are a new creation. And gospel sharing must happen. And think about this. I, uh, your neighbors need Jesus. Like Mississippi is approximately 2.9 million people and 38.5% of Mississippians would say, I have a personal relationship with Jesus. We're argued to be the most evangelical state in the country. And it's only 38%. So well over 60% then, not a mathematician, but I know that, are knowingly, like we know they're lost. 25% say that they're active in a religious community. 33% of Mississippians believe that Jesus is the only way for salvation. Two-thirds of our state does not believe that Jesus is the only way. Church, we got work to do. I mean, right here. And, and this isn't one of those things where we say, hey, let's send missionaries there. I think you know this, I'm for sending missionaries. This is, hey, we already live here. This is our community, our people. There is a church here. There is a Bible in their, these people's languages. It is your job, my job to take this good news to them. You were dead and now you're alive, tell them. Don't get me wrong. I do think we need to go to the nations. In fact, this morning I was looking up, we're, we're, we're praying this week for the country of Oman, which is 5 million people or so. The Omani people are 2.1 million. So just slightly smaller than the state of Mississippi. And they have 1.2% evangelical believers. It's pretty significant, right? Balak people within Oman, there's 600,000 of them, 0.0% believers. The work we have to do must start here, but it cannot end here. We are called and stirred to do this good work of proclaiming this good news to those who don't know it. Like this this is life-altering kind of passage for us. This, this totally shifts who we are and what we do because we went from death to life. I pray that God will use this reminder of his grace to compel us to do good for his glory. Please, church, let us share the gospel this week and do whatever it takes to get the gospel to the Baloch people who have 0.0% in Oman. Like are we, are we gonna say we're gonna truly do whatever it takes? Yeah, this is more than just a campaign slogan. Like will we really do whatever it takes to make Christ's name known? There's dead people that need life and we've got the answer. Yeah, we like to get to the answer, but they're dead. So let's, let's get them the answer. Now, this leads us to this 
final kind of stage here, that there is glory for the future. There's a grave in the past. There is grace for the present. And church, there is glory for the future. This is who you will be with Christ. Not just who you are now in Christ, but who you will be with Christ. Hey kids, I want you to do this for me. This is maybe a one just in your mind, maybe based on things you've heard me say or you've heard other, your teachers or your parents or even read in the Bible. What do you think heaven will be like? I want you to draw what you think heaven will be like. But I want you to remember this. The best part of heaven will most certainly be the presence of Jesus. You can draw, you can draw mansions, you can draw a pearly gate, crystal sea, street of gold. You can, you can draw any of that. But the best part will be Jesus. And so here's, here's what we're told. This God who is rich in mercy, who gave us his love through his son, Jesus, tells us that we will be raised. Verse six, we are raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places. See, this future resurrection exists for us because of Jesus' resurrection. We are thankful not only for his death, but we are all the more thankful that Jesus defeated death right? Because Jesus defeated death, our death is defeated. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're granted a victory for a battle we didn't even fight. He, he conquered the grave for us. Church member, this past week, Gino mentioned this, the church member died this week. We, we grieve her loss. But I can say with confidence, based on her acknowledgement of Jesus, Savior and Lord, she is resurrected. That to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And yes, there is certainly a, a grief here for us only because we're sad she's not with us, but not for her. No, she's been raised. Why? Not because of her good works. I mean, she was an avid, traveling, like, make Christ known kind of person. Like, she would have heard this message today and said, amen, I'm in, where do we go? Who do I need to tell next? She's that kind. But she didn't, she's not in the presence of Jesus because of that. She's not in the presence of Jesus because she gave money, because she showed up every week. All those, those are things that we need to do. She came because Christ conquered the grave. And, listen to this, we, we are raised and we will be seated. Right? You might think that's not that big of a deal. We're raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places. But, but hear this. This is not to be described as something that is temporary. The, the sitting is actually a picture of permanence. 
ESV study Bible says, why would God lavish such precious love on his people to seat them in this way for all eternity? So that they will marvel for all of eternity over the incredible kindness and love of God. It will take all of eternity to fathom God's love. And those who are saved will never plumb the depths of it. They will be seated permanently with this Christ. And we will get to enjoy him forever. We'll be seated and we will be saved. Verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your doing. It is the gift of God. Grace not only provides for us salvation, it secures our salvation. See, in, in all these cases, uh, th these are described actually as present tense. If you look at the text, by grace you have been saved, like you are saved. He's raised us up, seated us. This is not things that, in fact, I, I use them as things that will happen. We will be raised, we will be seated, we will be saved. Paul actually puts them in the present tense. He, he writes it that way because with such confidence, he can say we, it's as though it's already happened. So yes, I, I realize we haven't yet been raised. We haven't yet been seated. But Paul says, no, it's, it's so for sure. It's so set in stone. It's so written in the blood of Jesus Christ that we are seated. We are raised. We are saved. Church, this is for you. Like family, here, this is your good news. But those who don't know Jesus, and by know him, I mean look to him as your only way of hope. This is not your good news. Not yet. Right now, it's, it's good news offered to you. But you're living in the bad news. You've rejected the good news. I can think of no greater response to today than you hearing that you need Jesus for your salvation for your eternal hope, for your everlasting life. You can think of no greater response than for you to say yes to him. In just a moment, there's going to be some that come right here and they stand right here at this doorway, ready to receive you and, and celebrate with you. And you can, you can go there and you can ask them questions, but I need you to hear this. Right now, right where you sit, you can turn away from your sin and trust in Jesus. It's repentance. You can say, I, I, wanna, I wanna stop all of the, the leaning on my own works. I wanna stop trying to fix it myself. And you might have been here at this church for years and heard messages just like this one. And the thing that's holding you back right now is pride. Don't let that be what sends you to hell for eternity. 
Oh, today, trust in Jesus. Let us rejoice with you in that. Some of you, your, your response today is actually to baptism. You know this is your story. This is your good news. But you've never displayed that in baptism. Maybe it's because you're of a certain age and you say, I'm, I'm too old for that. That's for kids and teenagers. No, no, it's for those who've chosen to follow Jesus. Don't let this hold you back. Like let today be the day that you say, I'm, I'm going to make it known that Jesus is Lord. I'm gonna demonstrate that by being baptized today. Like make that commitment. Maybe you, you have heard about this membership matters. And you say, I wanna, I wanna belong to Colonial Heights like that. Make that your step of obedience today. Maybe you hear about the people of Oman and you think, I'm supposed to go to those people. I am supposed to be one who is sent out to go to another land, to another people. Would today be the day that you make that commitment? Yes, God, I will go wherever it is you say. This news is too good for me to hold inside. We have been given grace beyond measure. It is, it is good, good grace. Getting something we do not deserve. We were children of wrath, dead in our trespasses and sins. We have been saved by grace. If you know this Jesus, if you know him this way, and may your song be sweet to him, May you sing of his grace before the King. Would you stand with me as we respond?